and welcome to mini episode 211 of Real Life Ghost Stories. And I have three spooky stories for you. And the last story comes from the 21st of September 2022. And story number one comes from Varsha. It was a long, long time ago when this happened to my maternal grandparents. Grandpa's mother had passed away. They say she was a nice, petite woman. After her funeral, my grandparents returned back to their own house. It was night and they had laid down on the floor to sleep near a window next to the main entrance door of the house. They had the window slightly open for cool air to come in. It was, of course, a sad day. And they were talking about Grandpa's mother and after some time they just stopped talking as they got very sleepy. Just then Grandma heard a voice. It came from outside, most probably from the steps at the veranda. It was exactly the sound of her mother-in-law calling Grandpa by his name like she always did. The voice called his name thrice and then no more. Grandpa didn't answer any of the calls. Grandma, afraid to get up, just turned over to Grandpa and asked, Did you hear that? It was Amma, right? Grandpa hummed in agreement. Without getting up, he lifted his long leg and closed the open window right behind them. Don't think about that and don't be afraid. Amma won't hurt us, just sleep. And they slept. If he had opened the door to check, it would be like inviting his mother in back to the mortal realm where she no longer belonged. In the Hindu religion, there are some rituals to be done after a person's death so that the soul can peacefully leave earth and move to the next realm. A process that we refer to as attaining moksha. These rituals are done within weeks after the funeral of the deceased by their children in a variety of ways. It is believed that until these rituals are done, the soul of the dead will linger in the mortal realm, which is believed to be why some people tend to see the deceased come to visit them. So maybe it was Grandpa's mother coming to say goodbye to her son one last time, before she attained moksha, which I'm sure she did attain. The next story is an experience my mother and her sister had as children. A pregnant woman in their neighbourhood had hanged in her house. Nobody knew the reason and it remains a mystery to this day. Fifty years ago, not all roads in residential areas of Kerala were paved and wide enough for cars to go with streetlights illuminating the paths. The roads were actually pathways formed by wear and tear of feet, small, congested and grassy. The terrible incident had shocked the whole neighbourhood such that people were afraid to walk by the small grassy path in front of that house at night for months. Even at daytime very few dared to walk on that path as some claimed to have seen something in the path that spooked them. Some people living near that house where the tragedy occurred had complained about hearing a long moaning voice of a woman at certain times of day and night without any identifiable source. My grandparents' house was also nearby. One night, my mom and her sister were playing in their room when they heard that fabled long moaning of a woman from a distance. It sounded deeply sad and painful. This scared the shit out of them and they stopped playing and just lay down to sleep. Mom didn't hear that moaning ever again, but she vividly remembers how scared she was. People thought since it was a suicide, the soul of the woman must not have attained moksha by the normal rituals. It has been years and that small path is a paved road now. Nobody hears those moans anymore. 
Did people imagine the moans because of the mass hysteria caused by the tragedy-induced fear? Maybe. It is stories like these that make me wonder and sometimes fear the unknown. Death rituals are always really fascinating to me. I find religious, secular, whatever it is, whatever kind of death ritual that um, people get involved in, I just find them really fascinating and I love exploring other countries and cultures death rituals because I think it's a really it's a really fascinating exploration of humanity really how we deal with death and I'm gonna have to look into like what is involved in attaining moksha because I know it's never going to be as as simple as being able to do like a a a quick version for the podcast you know what I mean so I'm gonna have to look into it and it is obviously incredibly important that when somebody that you love dies that they have the opportunity to cross over to the other side whatever whatever the other side is believed to be do you know what I mean so for your grandfather and grandmother it must have been petrifying to hear his mother's voice because you would be thinking well we haven't done the rituals yet we haven't finished it so she is still going to be lingering around so what does that mean if they had invited her in if they'd opened the door would she have been stuck there and suicide is is massively impactful to a community um really really particularly because I think a lot of a lot of times people get get hung up on should we have seen this happening did we know it was going to happen were there signs people get stuck on all of those on all of those thoughts and the whole community is impacted obviously the direct family and friends are horrifically impacted but then you know the the wider community also gets impacted in in a different way and I wonder too if it is the mass hysteria of being so terrified of the fact that this woman took her own life and did so while she was pregnant it must have really rocked the community and it's hard to know because you know like you said nobody really knew why she did it so therefore there's always going to be lots of questions and a mystery surrounding it so I wonder whether that mystery those questions made people view it in a more paranormal sense because they just didn't really know how else to view it you know those are two great stories short and sweet I thoroughly enjoyed them and story number two comes from Steph. I used to work at the Mary Rose Museum in Portsmouth Historical Dockyard. My job was to take the photos with the King Henry VIII waxwork just as you entered the museum. One day I was taking a photo of a family and stepped back to ensure that I had them all in the picture and walked into something which felt quite hard and pointy, kind of like being elbowed at around kidney height. Assuming it was someone behind me, I turned to apologise, but the gallery behind me was empty. Turned back around to the family I was photographing, who were looking at me like I was a nutter saying sorry into the air. I went to the loo a short while later and had a bruise forming from whatever it was that I walked into from where it hit me. This is not the only ghostly encounter at my time working there. Some of the museum volunteers saw a small boy in one of the galleries on their final walk through before close. When they went back to check, he was gone. He was nowhere to be found and the volunteer on the exit said no one had passed him, let alone a child. After the preservation was finished, the new museum was built around the ship with wave sounds as you walked along the viewing decks and daily ship noises, so I would imagine it would definitely stir up any activity attached to the ship. The whole museum had a creepy vibe, probably not helped by the lack of windows and lots of dark corners. Oh, that gives me the willies when people talk about physically walking into something and then they turn around and they're like, oh, sorry, and nobody's there. 
Because that's not like seeing something out of the corner of your eye. You know what I mean? You physically get the feeling of walking into somebody. And obviously your initial reaction is that an actual human being is going to be there. And you're going to be like, sorry, I didn't mean to walk into you. And then you turn around and there's nobody there. That is scary. I don't know if you guys remember, but I think it was episode five of the podcast. Uh, Something very similar happened to my friend Cass when she was working in a theatre in London. And she was doing the final walkthrough and walked into somebody and was like, oh, sorry. And there was nobody there. Because I think like whatever about your brain or your mind playing tricks in you, like visually or even hearing things or you might see something out of the corner of your eye, but physically walking into something, that's a lot harder to explain. And then, of course, you have also people seeing this little boy knocking around the place. And maybe you're right, like maybe the sound of the ship, maybe the sound of the waves, maybe the kind of, I don't know, the the general noise and hubbub of a ship stirred something up at the risk of sounding like... I'm on a paranormal TV show. Maybe that like, what do they call them? Trigger sounds and trigger objects. Maybe they do do something to the energy. And story number three comes from Aaron. And story number three comes with a video which will be posted on Instagram and Facebook if you wish to see it. I want to tell you about my first home my wife and I purchased. We were 18 when we got married and bought this house that was built in the mid-1800s. The realtor couldn't find an exact year. But this house was just a few miles outside of Gettysburg and on one of the main roads leading in and out of Gettysburg. This house was turned into a duplex. We bought one half and the other side was vacant. There was a basement, two floors of living space and a full attic. The first thing I noticed was the mirrors in the bathroom. Mind you, this was 20 years before I knew anything about mirrors. But there were three in the bathroom in a horseshoe shape. If you looked into any of them, you could see yourself 1,000 times over and over. I liked it and I thought it was really cool. But very soon we noticed footsteps up and down the stairs in the vacant side of the house. After several weeks of hearing people run up and down the stairs at all hours of the day and night, I decided to investigate. I went into the attic and pried a few of the shared dividing boards off and slipped into the vacant side. Immediately, I noticed so much undisturbed dust, at least one to one and a half inches deep. I went down the stairs and into the second floor. Nothing but a lazy boy and some microphone dust, no footprints except mine. Down to the ground floor, one dusty table, no footprints. Onward and downwards to the empty basement. Nothing. So we figured we imagined it. Then we started to notice that things were always missing, especially in the bathroom, so I decided to experiment. I strategically put things where they didn't belong. Shampoos on the toilet tank, toothpaste on the baseboards, deodorant in the tub, etc. And every morning they would be somewhere else. We never got a negative feeling. Until my wife got pregnant. And that was when the sleep paralysis started. It went on the duration of the pregnancy and for years afterwards. Once our daughter was born and a little older, she would always just babble on and on and laugh and squeal, all while staring into the same corner every morning. Every fucking morning. Same corner. Creepy shit. One morning, my wife and my baby were having breakfast downstairs. My daughter dropped everything and looked at the stairs and screamed, Hi Daddy, come and sit. I had been at work for several hours by now. My wife immediately broke down and tried to get a hold of me. 
This was the dawn of cell phones, so the reception was shit. She just assumed that I had died in an industrial accident. P.S. I didn't. And all of this went on for years. One day my wife was folding clothes and saw a soldier walk past our room into our daughter's room. My wife just ran in and found my daughter playing alone. I didn't believe that part even though I saw the other stuff. So my next day off work I opened my eyes to see a fully uniformed Union soldier standing in my doorway. I just told him I was tired and didn't have time for any bullshit and went back to bed. I was offered a job several states away so we moved. That was over 20 years ago and my wife still has nightmares centred around that house. Another quick thing. While I worked in North Carolina at a prison, I know we had a ghost. Not sure what you know about maximum security prisons, but each cell has an emergency button inside, in case the inmate is having a medical emergency, etc. An inmate died in his sleep. The next morning we took his body out and sealed the cell. About an hour later his emergency button went off. It can only be activated from inside the cell. We double checked and made sure it was empty and resealed the cell. Then for 7 hours about every 15 minutes the emergency button would go off from his cell. When my wife's father got sick about 2 years ago we moved back north to help care for him and we set up a camera in his room so we would know when he needed something or tried to leave. He had dementia and forgot where he was a lot but his room was second story on a hill. I measured from the ground to the bottom of the hill is 26 feet. We were eating supper in the kitchen and got an alert on the camera that there was movement in his room. I went to check on him and he was sound asleep. We looked at the footage and saw a shadow walk across the room. We were all in the kitchen. There's no windows opposite that could have made the outside shadows. We tried a million things to recreate it and failed. I've attached the video. Dad is asleep in the bed and the figure moves past outside of the window. It also sounds like the door is opening. And like I said, that video will be on Facebook and Instagram for your perusal. Make of it what you will, but there is no mistaking that a shadow passes across that room. That is an absolute definite. Whatever that shadow is, that's up to you guys to interpret. But the shadow is very definitely there. This is not one of those those videos where you're going to need like a red circle to show you where the thing is. You will see it immediately. It is very, very clear. I'd also like to point out that I'm pretty sure that Aaron signed off his uh, his email as Aaron, which really made me laugh because that skit is incredible. If you know the skit that I'm talking about, you'll immediately know the Aaron sketch. Uh, I think it's a substitute teacher sketch. I have to say that house in Gettysburg sounds terrifying. It's the fact that it has a vacant side and you were hearing footsteps and things were going missing. I know you said you went in and there was obviously no like footprints in the dust or anything nothing was disturbed so there was no way that somebody could have been in there right absolutely not I get that but if oh I would be so paranoid and I imagine that you guys were too I would be so paranoid that something somebody was living in the vacant bit and was nipping into the house and moving things or robbing things oh I would be so scared and you know what I really feel sorry for your wife because pregnancy is hard enough without having sleep paralysis thrown into the mix as well. And, you know, and then pregnancy is hard enough if you've got sleep paralysis and then your kid is born and your kid ends up being freaky, you know, doing creepy kid stuff. I'd be struggling. I would be struggling. 
And Gettysburg is famously like a paranormal hotspot, isn't it? It's a very famous place in American military history and there are lots of sightings of soldiers, ghost soldiers all over Gettysburg. I am sitting in my my new office space right now um, <laughs> and my, my new house is facing onto a road. So previously I lived in a little cul-de-sac and, you know, I could see my neighbours or whatever. But the house that's directly opposite me has a really dark kind of gothic front door with two panels of glass and they're frosted glass. And it was sort of like really softly orange lit. And as I was saying about soldiers in Gettysburg, a dark shadow just passed across the door and frightened the life out of me. You can probably hear the change in the tone of my voice. <laughs> if you go back and listen to those last few sentences, it's obviously the people next door or the people across the road, but it scared the life out of me. And now the light's gone off, so I can't see the shadows either way, luckily. But back to the story at hand. That prison story really gave me the shivers as well. Because we've heard stories like that before, not necessarily from prisons, but from people who work in maybe end of life care, who have experienced, you know, panic alarms going off after somebody's died in a room or phone calls from coming from that room repeatedly after somebody's died. And it is, it, it's a scary concept. Like what is happening there? If it is even an electrical fault, for example, it's a very weird coincidence that that electrical fault happens to happen after somebody has died within that room. It's very strange. And in terms of the last bit of the story, which is the shadow in the room, as I said, the videos, the videos are there and it's, uh, ooh, it's up to you to decide what you think, but there is definitely a shadow there. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you to Varsha, Steph and Aaron for sending in your stories. Remember, the last story came from the 21st of September 2022. If you would like to send in your story, you can do so by emailing it to reallifeghoststoriespodcast at gmail.com. You can also check out the website reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And if you are desperate for extra content, you can sign up to Patreon, where for $2 a month or $5 a month, you get access to heaps of extra content. That is patreon.com forward slash real life ghost stories and on that note i shall see you next time